Thanks for listening to Victory's podcast today. Connecting people to a life-changing relationship with Jesus is what we're all about. For more resources or to reach out to us, go to victorychristian.church. All right, are you ready for the Bible? All right, I'm going to open up this morning with Genesis 1, excuse me, Genesis 12, 1 through 3. Genesis 12, 1 through 3 said, The Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, your father's household to a land I will show you. I will make you a great nation. We all say a great nation. I will make you a great nation. He's actually talking about creating the nation of Israel. And I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth, all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. Let's take a moment. Let's pray. Father, we love you and we're so thankful, God, for you. Lord, we're expressing in our worship today how much we love you and appreciate you. You are such a good God. And today, Lord, I just say that we trust you. We trust your wisdom. We trust your ways. Even when we don't understand, God, we trust you because we, um, we trust the heart of who you are and your character. Today, Lord, we want to hear from you. Lord, let your word be opened up to our hearts. May we hear from you and grow in our knowledge, but also our knowledge of you, Jesus. And uh, Lord, we thank you for the opportunity. And uh, Lord, I pray for the empowerment, the leading of your Holy Spirit, God, to share what's in your heart today. It's such a privilege, but Lord, what we want is your word and your Holy Spirit, God, to really minister to each person here. We love you and worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. This morning, I want to I want to talk to you about Israel, and I want to talk to you about the nation of Israel, and where do we as the, the church fit? Um, how do we perceive biblically like the crisis that's going on in Israel right now? Um, you know, Israel is is really important to God, Amen. And they have been part of God's redemptive plan for mankind um, for centuries. Abraham, who we just read in Genesis chapter twelve. He's our father in the faith. He was the one that the Lord came to and spoke to and said, I am going to take you and make a nation out of you because I have this plan of redemption for the entire world. And you, Abraham, are going to lead uh, and become a people uh, who will end up becoming the, the Jewish nation. And so God made this covenant. A covenant is like a God contract but it's the kind of contract where there's no negotiation. God just makes all sides of the contract. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I expect from you. Because when God makes a contract, there's no negotiating. Amen? And he says to Abraham, he says, listen, I'm going to give you a land. I'm going to give you a people. And I'm going to give you a seed. And, and out of that seed, I'll bless all nations. The land was uh, the area where we call Israel today. It was actually much larger than that. The people are the nation of Israel, and it would take centuries for this to come to fulfillment because it would be Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Jacob would have 12 sons, and uh, one of those sons was Joseph, and Joseph would go into Egypt and serve Pharaoh. You can read about this in your Bibles, and um, he would save them from famine and then save his family from famine, and then that that group of, of 12, they would become the 12 tribes of Israel. They would grow up under e- Egypt 
and uh, they would cry out to God for deliverance, and Moses would be sent as their deliverer and say, okay, we're going to skedaddle. We're going to get out of here. And he leads the people through the Red Sea, and this nation that was about 3 million people, they wandered in the wilderness for about 40 years, and then they would finally enter into this promise of this land as a people by Joshua. They would cross the Jordan River and receive their inheritance there. And um, this people would bring us the seed. And the Bible talks about the seed being Jesus. And through Jesus, God would bless all nations because there would be an opportunity for people to experience the saving grace of Jesus and come and follow him. And so the nation of Israel, one of their primary purposes was to bring Jesus to us. Like that, that was always God's plan to bring his son and he brought it through this nation. And through the Old Testament, um, in the covenant of the law, God showed us how he would interact with his people. And the people were kind of like us, right? They would have good times and bad times. There would be times where they'd walk away from the Lord, times that they would uh, return to the Lord and God would be faithful to them. In the New Testament, Paul talks about God's promises and God's people. We all say God's promises? And God's people. Would you say God's people? It's clear that everyone, including the Jewish people, need to receive Jesus. We don't get off, off the boat, but that reason we receive Jesus is because when, when you receive Jesus, you receive the Father. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you have seen the Father. Jesus is the exact representation, as it says in Hebrews chapter 1, of who God is, so that when we see him and receive him, we're receiving God into our heart. And so um, Paul deals with this a lot and talks about this. Now, you've got to know Paul's background. Paul was, of, uh, was Jewish, and uh, he came to Jesus after, or came to Christ and became a believer after Jesus had already resurrected and gone up to heaven. And Paul was like the ultimate persecutor of people who were following Jesus. But we read in the book of Acts where Paul has this dramatic encounter with Jesus and he realizes that the one he's persecuting is the one he needs to receive as Savior. It's an amazing story. It says that it's like scales fell from Paul's eyes and he became a believer. And he became a person who was like the greatest asset to the church. And one of his missions in life was to go to all the non-Jewish people he could and share Jesus with them. The Bible calls them Gentiles, just the fancy word for not Jewish people, right? And so as Paul is walking through this and walking through people who are uh, coming into the faith, now the Jewish people are the people who brought us the seed or the beginnings of that faith and brought us Jesus, amen? And so Paul's trying to describe to the people, okay, how do we interact? How, do, how does all of these non-Jewish people coming into the faith, which is the way that God would bless all nations, is that they would have an opportunity to come to faith in Christ. How do, I, how do we reconcile how all of that works? And in Romans chapter 2, I'm going to read a lot of Bible to you today. Is that okay in church? Okay, good. Um, it, Rome, I wasn't really at, but you know, just joking. Um, <laughs> That's, that's my pastor way of saying, you're going to hear a lot of Bible buckle down, right? And like really pay attention because sometimes, you know, like the Bible plays and we're like, oh, okay, we'll wait till he's talking again. Okay, but come with me into the word. 
Romans 2, verse 28 and 29 says this. And Romans is a New Testament scripture where Paul is trying to help people figure out how all this works. A person is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor is circumcision, which is what the Jewish people would practice, merely an outward and physical. No, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is circumcision of the heart by the spirit, not by written code. Such person's praise is not from people, but from God. Now, there's a whole lot of context that's going on here, but I'll I'll kind of boil it down to this. Paul is explaining why non-Jewish people don't need to follow the covenant of the law and why they, uh, all their men don't have to be circumcised and follow these rules. He's saying because now in this new covenant that Jesus brought us, circumcision is by the heart and we receive the Holy Spirit. Everyone who receives Jesus receives the same Holy Spirit and it's going to go on and describe how we are God's people when that happens. Galatians 3 26 through 29, also written by Paul prior to him writing the book of Romans, and he's dealing with the very similar matters. Galatians 3.26 says this, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. Y'all catch that? All children of God through faith. For all of you were baptized into Christ, have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's what? You are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. He's basically saying the people who are the people of God are everyone who has received Jesus into their heart. Like, and this scripture is trying to say that God doesn't have two people, he has one people. Do you all follow me? It's everyone who wants Jesus in their life is, is the Lord's. I'm going to come back to the complicated parts of that in a moment. So we, as the church, are Abraham's seed. We are God's people. God, God has this one people. Romans 11, I, I won't read that to you because I'm reading a lot more scripture to you. But in Romans 11, it describes it this way, that all the non-Jewish people who accept Jesus are grafted in to the same family. It's like a plant analogy. And it's really cool the way it does it in Romans 11. It says, now don't respect the root, which is the Jewish nation that brought us Jesus. Amen? But that you are grafted in, and everyone who believes in Jesus is part of that same one family. It does make sense that God has one family, right? That he doesn't have two families. But there is a, there is a great respect for Israel and for who they brought us. They brought us Jesus, amen? And, um, and so what do you do with, okay, you have this basically what we'll describe as natural Israel and spiritual Israel. You, as a believer in Jesus, are actually part of spiritual Israel because you are Abraham's seed. You are Abraham, part of Abraham's family, this family of faith, because that's how you receive Jesus, Amen? So then there's this natural nation of Israel. So, so what do we do with that? Well, um, God uh, will mention this in the New Testament because there is a, there's a specialness to the heritage that they brought us. Amen? And we really honor that. Now, we still 
preach the same Jesus to everyone, right? Jew, non-Jew, everyone. We we preach the same gospel message that came through the Jewish nation. And so in Romans 11, verse 25, um, it's going to talk about how God is interacting with the natural nation of Israel. Okay, are you interested in, in seeing how that works? Romans 11.25 says this, I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, brothers and sisters, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of the Gentiles has come in. Are you all following me? So what this is saying, I'm going, to, I'm going to keep on reading this and dig into this. It's saying, and, and Paul is writing in his day and age, it's probably in the 60s AD when he's writing this, and he's saying, listen, my people, my nation, there are people who've received Jesus and have become born again, but there are also people who have hardened their hearts against Jesus. And he's saying, those, those people, he said, they've experienced a hardening, but there's going to be a time when the full number of Gentiles come in, and then it says in verse 26, and in this way, all of Israel will be saved. So they've experienced a hardening until the full number have come in. And it says, um, the deliverer will come from Zion, he who, turns, who, he who will turn godless away from Jacob, and this is my covenant with them, and then when I will take away their sins. As far as the gospel is concerned, they are enemies for your sake, but as far as election is concerned, they are loved on account of the patriarchs. This is fancy language for God saying, listen, I have my eye on them, and while some people have hardened their hearts, I am bringing in the nations to follow Jesus and to follow the Lord. But I have my eye on them, and there is this end-time harvest where I will bring people who are Jewish ethnically, Jewish by heritage, or Jewish by nature, into the body of Christ, God's family. Do you all follow me? That's a lot of information for you. Uh, it, it was hard work just to boil it down for you that way. Uh, what's great is we record these things. If, if you want to like go home and draw a map or something, you can go do that. Um, we, um, let me back up here. I want to turn now, as I've, I've kind of described that landscape, I want to I turn to what's going on currently in the world and give us a, a biblical way of how to interact with that. Um, there's a lot of sides and a lot of opinions and a lot of ways that people come against it, come about it. I'm really not interested in all of that. I just want to show you uh, what the Bible says and who we are and how we stand. Is that good? And so um, turning to, to um, these current events, all nations, including the nation of Israel, the natural nation of Israel, has the authority to create laws, justice systems, uh, they, can have, they can wage war, they can wage war against their enemies. That's what governments are allowed to do, and that's what they are created to do so that there's law and justice and an ability to defend themselves. Um, nations have a right to hold their people accountable, amen? And nations have the right to defend themselves against terrorists, against oppressors, and God holds nations accountable. Did y'all catch that? Nations have the authority to do these things, and God ultimately, who's above all the nations, amen? Jesus is described as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He is the king of a nation that supersedes all nations. Y'all, the way that that works is many of us, most of us... Siri's trying to get involved. Um, 
for, all of, for most of us in this room, we are American citizens. We just uh, honored our veterans and pay, prayed for our veterans, amen? But do you know that your citizenship in heaven is greater and above your American citizenship? You are not going to show your American passport when you go to heaven. I don't mean that disrespectfully. You're not going to show any passport. The only thing you're going to show is Jesus in you. Amen? Now, both are important, but one supersedes the other by a great distance, and that is the kingdom of God. Now, nations, like I said, can hold people accountable. Nations can wage war. That's their, that's their uh, ability to do that. God has created it that way, right? We, as God's people as followers of Jesus, are part of God's kingdoms, and, and we have authority in spiritual realms, right? We have an authority. A nation has an authority. You as an individual have authority as well. Ephesians 6.12 says this, For our struggle, we all say our struggle, is not against flesh and blood, but it's against rulers, against the authorities against the powers of this dark world and against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. What the Bible is doing, it is clearly demarking when it comes to the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, and our citizenship in it. Yes, we do have an entity, enemy, and that enemy is spiritual. It is not flesh and blood. I'm going to dig into that a little bit more here. Nations have the right, the right to rage war. We as believers have the right to wage war in the realm of the spirit. Did y'all catch that? Nations have the right to war, the right to wage war in the natural world. We have the right, and they are accountable to God for that. We have the right to wage war in the in the spirit. Anti-Semitism, right? The hatred of Jews or the Jewish nation has a demonic root. And the devil hates Israel's role in God's redemptive plan. That's why for centuries there have been people after people who have tried to annihilate the Jews is because the devil is reading the same Bible and going, those people were chosen and they're going to bring God's seed who's going to be a blessing to all nations and he wants to stop that. And Re- Revelations 12.4 says it this way. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that it might devour her child the moment it was born. Now, that's prophetic revelation speak. The dragon in Scripture is Satan. Okay? And Satan has always stood against God's redemptive plan. And that has been being revealed through the nation of Israel. The woman in Scripture is the nation of Israel. As a matter of fact, uh, when we studied the book of John uh, in our, our Sunday school class, great life group. We've got so many good life groups, just a little plug. Um, we talked about how the woman, all, whenever it would say woman, it would talk about Israel as well. Like when Jesus said, woman, it is not my time, he wasn't just addressing his mom. He was saying something prophetic about Israel. It's not my time yet, right? So the woman is Israel, and the child, guess who the child is? I'll give you another shot. It's the same Sunday school answer. You ready? Guess who the child is? For everybody online, they said Jesus. It was still a little tentative. Um, <laughs> but uh, so 
in this scripture, it's talking about the dragon sees the woman, that Satan sees Israel, going to have a child, and wants to kill the child. What did they try to do? What did King Herod try to do in Luke when Jesus was born? He, they tried to kill Jesus. What did they try to do when Moses was born as a deliverer for the Jews way back in, uh, in the Old Testament? They tried to kill all the babies, right? And, and Moses' mother put him in a basket. Like this is a repetition thing that's been going on in Scripture. It's not new. So that brings me to like this discussion about Hamas. Um, Hamas is a specific group that has a stated goal to destroy Israel, right? Now, they actually govern that area of Palestine that you hear about on the news so much, but they are not representative of all Palestinians, okay? Some Palestinians are Hamas, and in, I think it was 2006, Hamas actually came into government rule. It would be like, uh, I'll get to that analogy in a moment. Some, some Palestinians actually rep, um, recognize Israel's right to, to be in the land. And um, they'll use the word, people will use the word occupy, like they're occupiers, but actually God gave them that land back in Genesis, like gave them that deed, right? Some Palestinians are saved and attend Christian churches in Palestine, right? Um, so it's important to parse these things out. They're not all one and the same. Hamas's ideology is demonic. Uh, and we come against those things in spiritual realms as Christians. Like, does that make sense? The demonic things that are in the background of that, we say, you know, Lord, we ask you to defeat Satan and defeat his plans and, and come those down. The terrorists uh, who, are, who have adopted this demonic uh, you know, ideology, unfortunately, and you, you've seen this on the news, they hide within the civilian population using them as human shields. And it makes all of this very complicated and very ugly and people talking, you know, and I'm not going to get into all of the who's, who's saying what and all of that. Uh, but I want to return us to, does the nation of Israel, just like any nation on the planet, has the right to defend themselves, right? Um, the analogy I would use is if Powhatan had terrorists in it who wanted to kill us and... Um, they came and they ravaged our people and were shooting rockets at us, we would go, we can do something about it, right? The challenge and what makes it really ugly is this group hides behind civilians. And, and now you see the stalemate, right, of, well, is it okay? And what, you know, the, the human toll and all of that. And it's just ugly. If you put yourself in that analogy and you go, I'm here in Goochland and people want to kill me in Powhatan and they're coming after my family, but they're hiding. And it's a, it's a very cowardly thing to hide among civilians. That's a really cowardly thing to do. Now, I want to return us to this concept because I, I, I'm, not, I, I'm not trying to get too deep into that, but I feel like we have to have a biblical view of what's going on to know, like, what is our role, right? And how do we respond in this day and age. Um, as believers, our natural enemies, including Hamas, are actually our mission field, not our battlefield. That's a hard one. I want, just want to let that settle for a moment because I'm, I'm going to give us some scripture and I'm going to help us reconcile how can they, that they both be true. Now, 
as believers again, our natural enemies in the natural, there are people who want to kill you because you're an American, kill you because you're a Christian, um, including Hamas, are actually our mission field, not our battlefield. We come against, as Christians, demonic forces. The forces that motivate that evilness, right? We come with a message of repentance and reconciliation for the people. Do you all follow me? I'm, I'm, let me show it to you in Scripture because it, helping this kind of settle in us. We are called to this ministry of reconciliation. 2 Corinthians 5.18 says this, All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, and has committed to us, would you all say us? He's committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ ambassadors. That's our assignment. We are Christ ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. It goes a little deeper in Matthew 5. This is Jesus, our Savior. You know, people were always taught to love their neighbor, and Jesus, uh, just, you know, he was going to challenge what, what they thought love your neighbor kind of meant. And at Matthew 5, verse 43, it says, You have heard that it is said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Y'all hear that? Pray for those who persecute you. It's a lot easier to read that when you don't have a real enemy. Come on. Right? Like, we're talking about nations and conflicts and things like that. But when your neighbor doesn't like you, it starts to get harder. Right? You're like, oh, yeah, love your neighbor, you know, love your enemy. But when your neighbor doesn't like you, you're like, well, God, you know, if you just could, I don't know, burn their house down and make a move. <laughs> That's not Jesus in you. Where we get hung up is we get hung up between justice and our call to call people to salvation. We, that it's a sticking point for us. Justice is godly. God is just. And you know what? He's just with you and me because all of our sin, if you have decided to receive Jesus as your Savior, has been justfully judged on the cross with Jesus. God took your sin and my sin very seriously. And God is just. A couple weeks ago, I preached on the subject of hell. God is a just God, but he's a merciful God not wanting people to perish. The question is, what is our call? right? There's, there's a justice thing in all of us. Some of it's very large and some of it's a little bit smaller. Justice is godly, amen? The question is, where and how is your justice called to? For all of us as believers, our authority is in the realm of the Spirit in rebuking demonic things that are leading people to a life without Christ. Our call, um, if you're in the military, is to go and fight the places God, that, that the nation says to fight. And they're supposed to do that, right? But as a believer in this other kingdom, the question is, what is your responsibility in that kingdom? It's to love your neighbor. It's to love your enemy. 
and it's to implore people to be reconciled to Christ. It's hard for us to separate these things, but if we know our assignments in our, in, uh, within our roles, we get it more, right? If you're a military commander and God has called you into that role and you are leading our military, your job is to fight the enemies, right? The challenge is sometimes as believers, we want to take on jobs that are not our job. Nations have that authority, but our authority has to do with the realm of the spirit and with the demonic forces. Our enemies are our mission field. And it's, again, and the reason I've described it this way is so that we can see where it all fits and know that God is just and that he cares and that it matters to him. Let me finish reading those verses. Matthew 5, 4, uh, 5, 43. You've heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you to love your enemies and pray for those pers- that persecute you. Verse 48, 6 says, if you love those who love you, what regard will you get? Are not even tax collectors doing that? Like God's saying, the change in you has to do with the fact that you actually love and care about the soul of your enemy. Um, In the Old Testament, in the book of Esther, sometimes it's easier if we go look at another example than the example we're living in. In the book of Esther, uh, there was an evil man ironically named Haman, not not Hamas. His name was Haman. And Haman wanted to annihilate the Jews. Sound familiar? That's exactly what the Hamas, like in their bylaws, they say, we want to eradicate the Jews. And Haman came up with a plan to kill all of the Jews. But God used Esther, Queen Esther, to reveal Haman's plan to the king and deliver the Jews and save them from being annihilated. But the result, in Esther 7.17, it says that the result of what happened is that many nations became Jews. And so in the midst of that story, we see this redemption happening in the middle of what could have been a chaotic mess. And you know, God's heart today for people living in Palestine, for people living in Israel, for, for all peoples, is that they come to know Christ. It's just that simple. And remember, um, uh, 1 Timothy 2, verse 1 says this. I love, I love this verse. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, and intercession, thanksgiving be made for all people. We all say all people? Now, this is cool because it gets a little political. It goes, for kings and all those in authority, that they may live peaceful and quiet lives in all goodness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and come to a knowledge of the truth. With these current events, I just I want to encourage you to pause before you get wrapped up in all the end times timelines that are out there. Uh, there, there are people on TV right now who are going, oh my word, this is fulfilled, and this is fulfilled, and this is fulfilled. And like Jesus could be coming back next week, some of us are really drawn to that, and I'm not trying to, to, to bust your chops about that. Um, the reality is that cycle has been going on for centuries where you're like, whoa, 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 it looks like, and it's supposed to create an urgency in us that we know that Jesus is coming back. 
But here's my, here's my pastoral pause for you. If watching all those maps and the guy who's drawing all those things, by the way, Scripture says that nobody knows the hour when Jesus is coming back. That's in Matthew 24, 36. So everyone who's trying to get it right is going to get it wrong. Okay? But there's a godly way to respond to the second coming of Jesus. And um, I will, I'll kind of boil it down this way. If, if these timelines are causing you to stop putting into your retirement and run up your credit card, please stop. I use that as a silly example. But like, please stop, right? If these timelines are causing you to get off the couch and share Jesus with your neighbor, keep watching them. You get excited as, as much as you want. In your life group, people are not going to be as excited as you are. But if it's making you talk about Jesus, go for it. The way I've heard it um, said to me, we should live like he's coming back tomorrow. We should plan like he's never coming back. We should live like he's coming back tomorrow, but we should plan like he's never coming back, right? And that, that concept. And, and so the way I, I want to close today is um, I, wanna, I want us to pray. Um, and I want to lead us in prayer for what's going on. It's all really complicated. And it's all really messy. And, um, but our role is to come against the darkness. And Scripture says to pay, pray for the peace of Jer- and safety of Jerusalem. Scripture also says in Romans 13 that we should pray for um, ungodly rulers and, and for peace in, in any of our nation. Like, peace is good for the kingdom because we get to share Jesus even more easily, right? God will use the mess and get the gospel in there in other ways, um, we, I heard somebody say recently that after, after the World War, that Japan became open for the gospel. And now, you know, people know Jesus in Japan like never before because of the gospel doors open. We need to be praying for those gospel doors to open, right? And, and we, it's okay to pray that God will hold people like Hamas accountable, but we also need to pray for their repentance and salvation, right? God is into justice and accountability, but let's remember how just he was with us. He allowed Jesus to bear that justice for us. And, you know, if you're here today, maybe, um, you know, we're, we're having like a, almost like a family conversation about all of these things and how to look at it in the, in the Bible. I just want to say, you know, just really simply that Jesus cares deeply about you. He doesn't just care about people in here who've said yes to Jesus and said, yeah, I want to give you my allegiance and I want to follow you. He cares about everyone. There's, there's scriptures that says he wants everyone to come to, you, to him, but he won't make you come to him. But I want you to know that he loves you. He loves you enough that he took all, everything we've ever done wrong and took it to the cross. And Because he didn't have any sin, he became sin for us and took the penalty. And not only did he like remove the guilt so that when you come to Christ, you don't have to walk with the guilt of the past. He also removed the shame. You know, that, that kind of, that, that, that remorse and, and shame that, that, that we'll, we'll have on ourselves because of our past. But not only that, he empowers us to walk with him and to live with him. The way Jesus said it to his disciples is he said, come and follow me. I love that simple, that's what it means to be a believer. It's to receive Jesus and ask for forgiveness and to simply 
Come and follow him each day. He'll change your life. He'll change the way you live. But it's in a relationship with him and walking with him. And I, I just believe firmly every person should have a date. It's today the 10th of November, 12th of November. Welcome to the 12th. Everyone should have a day where they said, I gave my whole heart to Jesus. And if today is your day, I would really love to pray with you because it's, my day was May 5th, 1992. It's been a little over 30 years. Wow, what a journey. Not always easy, but he is always good. And I just want to invite you into that relationship. He has it for you, not just other people in this room. He has it for you. He's not going to force you, but oh, is he going to keep inviting you? And I just want to encourage you, today's your day, November 11, 12, 23. Let it be your day to say, I decided to follow Jesus because he really does care for you. If you're, if you're watching online or listening to the podcast, um, go to, and, and you want to make that kind of decision, would you go to Victory Christian? dot church and click on next steps and we will reach out to you this week we want to pray with you we want to join you in that like you, it's not just you and jesus and the bible all alone there is a family that's available to you to walk with you a family full of great imperfect people like us would you stand with me today we're going to close today by praying for israel and i realize that i preached a long time but there are some times when you can't make it a two-parter because it leaves too many questions when people leave. So I appreciate you hanging in there for, with me for 37 minutes and 17 seconds of a message. Uh, but we're going to pray together and pray on target. Shall we do that? Father, we come in the name of Jesus. And Lord, there are things that are above our pay grade, but nothing is above your pay grade. And God, what's going on is a mess. What Hamas did is a mess. Father, the way they're hiding behind people is a mess. The, all of it, Lord, it's a mess. Nations all putting in their two cents. It's just a mess. But God, you are above all the chaos. And you care about every individual. Jesus, you gave your life for every individual. So Lord, the, um, the impetus of this is demonic and evil. And in the name of Jesus, we ask you, God, to topple spiritual forces, Lord God, that, um, that drive people to, and, and cause people to adopt this wrong thinking and evil and hatred in their heart. We ask you, God, to drive out the enemy and that you would bring repentance, Lord Jesus, to people who are perpetrating evil things. I pray, Father, that like Paul, that scales will fall from people's eyes and they will see what their hands are perpetrating and God cry out to you in repentance and realize they are not doing this for God. They are doing this for the evil one, Lord God. And we pray for a transformation in hearts, Lord God. Father, we pray for the, these uh, for Israel, Lord. They have the authority to defend. They have the authority, Lord God, to go out. We ask you, God, to, to watch over them and let them create safety for their people and God to to, to handle justice as you see fit, Lord God. Lord, we uh, give them to you. We pray that you would lead and guide. And Father, that you would bring this to an end, 
Father, that pleases you and God that settles some things and creates safety. Safety for Palestinians, that creates safety for uh, Jewish people, Lord God. And Father, we also pray, God, about the demonic forces that, Lord, want other uh, countries, Father, to move in. And we just ask you, God, to put up a standard against them and cause them to not be able to cross barriers. Lord, motivate, Lord, nations who think they're motivated to jump in. Father, give them a reason to not jump into the conflict, Lord God. We pray for your peace. We pray that you would move, Lord. You said that you hold the hearts of kings in your hand. You direct it as a water course as it pleases you. Father, with nations and parliaments and, Lord, people who have authority in these realms, God, we pray your will be done and your kingdom come. And we pray for peace and safety, Lord God. Father, we ask, Lord Jesus, for many people to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus. We pray that for uh, Israelis. We pray that for Palestinians. We even pray that for the wickedness of, of Hamas, that there would be repentance, Lord Jesus, and a turning away, and that you would, just like you delivered Paul from persecuting Christians and standing over Stephen's death, deliver people from evil, Lord Jesus. Father, I pray for us. God, that you would show us how to pray. God, there's so many opinions and so many thoughts. But Lord, we know there is a battle for us in the realm of the Spirit. And I pray, Father, that we would know no enemy. We would only know our mission field. Father, that we would see our mission field on every front. Lord, we love you and we worship you. And we just cry out, Father, for safety and for soul and for your hand of mercy in the midst of all that's going on, Lord God. Lord, we love you and we worship you today. It's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like to know how you can give, go to victorychristian.church.